Your haircut looks amazing. Thank you. I was so excited to finally get a haircut. All right, I'm so excited about this, Sarah. For the last year and a half, Sarah Hallie Richardson has been the first face people see when they come to the JCA, and her positive personality and can-do spirit has been such a blessing to our community. Particularly in the context of responding to the pandemic, Sarah has been a part of helping the J to revamp and restructure our thinking around outreach and engagement. In addition to her prodigious array of skills, everything from organizing systems to editing footage, Sarah has a strong commitment to supporting Jewish life and community. She also is a well-known singer-songwriter who performs and writes music through folk, indie, and electronic styles. With influences such as Joni Mitchell, Kate Bush, and Bjork, Sarah's songs are known for dense vocal harmonies and soaring melodies, as well as combining synthetic and acoustic orchestral sounds. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the other side of the microphone today. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. This is great. I know um, a lot of people, when we were open, were able to, to meet you briefly, but I think um, more folks since then have come in contact with you over the phone yeah. and seen the fruits of your work. So I'm really excited to introduce you this way. And I thought if you could jump in by talking a little bit about your background and your family and upbringing and what brought you to Portland initially. My mom is from Long Island. My dad is from Massachusetts. They met in Connecticut and moved up to Maine when I was six um, to this sweet little farmhouse in the in Midcoast, mid Maine. That's where I was raised. My dad's a musician. So that kind of was the thing that started it all. Um, and I went to college um, at the University of Maine and studied music there. Um, and then after graduating, I moved to Portland for like six months and then recorded an album in that time and then had a CD release show. And two days later, moved to New York City. <laughs> you know, if people, if I was that then on people's radar, I was gone before they could even check it out. Um, so I moved to New York City for a year and a half and um, was in a bunch of bands there. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, I'm a homebody and wanted to move back. Um, and moved back to Portland and kind of pushed my music pretty hard. Yeah, I released an album upon returning. Um, I released my second album, Restless, and then um, pushed that a little bit and then recorded my third album, Phoenix, and kind of did the same thing with my first album where I recorded it I, I really didn't have any sort of release party for that. That coincided with a heartbreak that just couldn't be mended at the time. So I then left for Los Angeles, California. Um, and how long were you in LA? I was in LA for two years and had crazy experiences. I worked at the Whole Foods Market in Beverly Hills. I knew so many celebrities and they knew me by name. And Cameron Diaz wants the same kind of coffee drink. Samuel L. Jackson orders half a pound of honey maple turkey every Thursday. It was just really Amazing. funny. It was really funny. Then I decided- and, so, and you were pursuing music in LA at the time. Yeah. Were you performing? I, I was. Um, I performed a couple times there. I also, it was just a lot of networking constantly. Mm -hmm. And I'm a total introvert. 
might be alarming to some people, but <laughs> I definitely am. And so to put myself out there day after day after day was really exhausting. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot. I think I was probably a little over eager to, to people who I, I was lucky to be connected with some really big names out there. And so I just instantly went out and met them and, you know, just offered any service I could. Let me sing for you. Let me sing back up. I'll do anything. You have to be hungry, right? You have to put yourself in a position where you're open and you're, and you're vocal and you're letting people know what you need. So yeah. I feel like that's a, that's a difficult line probably to walk. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's really hard. And I remember, how, I remember meeting with a lot of people and they'd be like, how long have you been here for? And I'd be like, three months. Can you believe it? I haven't had a gig in three months. <laughs> and they'd be like, you're not going to, you know, give it at least two to three years before you're even connected to something. But I do believe that I planted a lot of seeds there and I met a lot of really great people and I, I was genuine, obviously, and made good connections. So, you know, I'm interested to see what happens in the coming years if, you know, if anyone happens to be on the East Coast and is playing a show and their singer gets sick, so they call me up, like you just never know. Well, and you've been, it's been really interesting to, um, to sort of follow how you've managed the um, challenges of this year, especially. And I know, obviously, it's been particularly difficult for performers. Um, I heard a great interview with Willie Nelson, I think last April, that for a while I was talking about to everybody all the time, because it really, it stuck with me that he said, you know, he's been through hard times before, and he's in his like late 80s or whatever. And he said, you know, I whatever we were going through before I always could just grab my guitar yeah. and go out there and perform for people I could get get people together and and bring bring music into the mix and so um this unique challenge of like how do we foster connection without being able to be physically present is it's such a challenge for for everybody but I think uniquely also for for performers and and not having live music was a big issue yeah. for a lot of people but you did some performing um online initially how was that experience for you it was hard for me. Um, I, I think of music as a service. I think of performing and entertainment as a service. You are there to, to give something to essentially the people that pay to see you do that thing. Um, so you're there for your audience. And what I find um, online shows do, I, I find that they... <laughs> they really drive the ego. Um, it's not about the audience at all. It's like, you can't look at it, you know, even if the audience is participating, if they're commenting while you're performing or trying to connect with you, the only way you can see the comments is if the camera is, is showing your face. So you're sitting there performing, looking at yourself. Um, so then you're constantly critiquing how you're looking, what you're doing. Um, and and also to, on top of that, you're looking, you're forced to look at this number in the corner of your screen telling you how many people are watching. And if it's below 60 people, you're like, well, you know, this isn't worth it. But man, if I was in a room of two people and I got to exchange that energy with just one or yeah. two people, it would be more powerful than if 60 people are looking on a screen. That's coming from my perspective. I think a lot of people have been thankful for 
live streaming shows um, because they have been able to see the artists they love. But I found it really challenging. Yeah. Well, and I know more recently you took part in a in a socially distanced performance at Thompson's Point. You performed Blue Joni Mitchell's yes. album. Yeah. Um, and what? How was how was that experience? Uh, it was it was better. Um, on a personal level, it was really cool because I really hadn't felt like I performed in a really long time. I mean, the live stream shows that I did were at the very beginning of the pandemic. And so this was almost a year later and I hadn't heard my voice, you know, even in live streaming shows, you're in your living room, you're in a room that isn't live. It doesn't have a lot of reverb mm -hmm. um, to carry your voice. And so to hear my voice live again in a big room, I felt like I was introducing myself to myself. I was hearing my voice in a completely new way and it's grown over the last year. Um, so it had changed, it was different. And I just thought it was super cool to kind of have that time away and then reintroduce myself to it. So that was awesome. It was a little strange because everyone was so spread out. Um, so, you know, it was, there was only 24, 25 people there. In any case, it, it, it was way better to perform in person. I mean, because I, I think that that piece of like the relief that people are feeling when you can return to stuff, even if it's modified, <clears throat> that feels like it yeah. connects you in a new way is, is I'm sure pretty palpable in the room. Yeah, and the funny part was I maybe knew two people that, that were there. So really it was people who were intentionally making the decision to be there and, yeah. and doing this thing for themselves, which I think is, is super cool. Any, any um, performance now or event now, people have to make the decision to attend. They have to be so intentional about yeah. going because yeah. there's a risk now. So it feels far more special, I guess, that they all chose to be there. <laughs> Well, that's no, that's such a good point. And I feel like there's a piece of this that as we move through the vaccination stages and, and you know, it's less risky for more people mm -hmm. to be doing things, I, I really revisiting the ways in which we've taken for granted the ability to gather in groups and, and, and maybe not to be as intentional to sort of say like, oh, I'll stay in again tonight. I'm tired, you know, whatever, yeah. instead of really putting ourselves out and, and showing up um, in, in community mm -hmm. when we can, right. um, I, I definitely feel like there's going to be so much less taking that for granted and, and just appreciate appreciation for what it means that we can make those decisions yeah. again. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big sure. deal. Um, Sarah, I know you do a lot of writing of your own work too. Um, can you talk about the writing process for you, what that looks like, um, how it's been? Yeah. You know, there are when I'm walking, I have found now in nature, I'll hear bird calls and I think their melodies are so cool that I'll record them into my phone and, you know, use them later in a song. Um, there's just, there's music everywhere. It's all around us. And so it's, amazing. it's almost amazing. easy to kind of, you know, if, if anyone's having trouble writing a song, just walk outside. I mean, mm -hmm. you, there are hundreds of tones and and melodies happening all the time. So that's kind of been a cool experiment for me where I've really started is just to play a drone, just play one note and then find a melody on top of that. You know, you don't have to worry about, 
for people who don't play an instrument, if they don't play piano or guitar, they don't have to worry about, um, they don't need to know how to play if they just hit one note and then create a melody on top of that and then ask their friends to help them fill in the, the gaps. There's your song. <laughs> yeah. It makes it sound really easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, maybe it is. You never know. <laughs> So um, for people who are interested in hearing your music, I know you have your own website. Is, is that the best place to hear your, your stuff? Is Are you on Spotify? Are you on other? Yeah, um, I'm on all streaming platforms. So I am on Spotify, um, Apple Music, Amazon, all the things. My website is sarahhallyrichardson.com. Um, and that really has like the, the B-side stuff you can find all my music on there i probably should take some stuff off because it's from real uh interesting times but um but yeah you can you can find it out there i've recently started playing with the string quartet the amarantos quartet we've recorded um songs of mine that have been on previous records and so we've arranged them for strings and released those as singles so there's all sorts of stuff out there now it's to. really beautiful. I, I hope people take the time. I'm sure a lot of people will want to check it out. It's it's really amazing. We've been listening to Carry On a lot at my house Aww, over the last several months, and it's yeah, it's quite lovely. It it feels apropos for totally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, so switching gears a little bit, can you share how you found your way to the J and how you connect Jewishly to the work that we do? Yeah. So I hadn't heard much about the J before knowing that you were looking to hire a front desk person. Um, and then coming here, I remember sitting before my interview in the lobby and I could barely contain myself because I was like, this place is gorgeous. Could you imagine coming to work here every day? I can't believe it. Um, so I just kind of closed my eyes and was like, please, please, please let this, let this be where I am for <laughs> the foreseeable future. And uh, sure enough, here I am. And, um, you know, I was raised by um, a mom who's Jewish and a dad who is Unitarian Universalist. So I, I got to see Judaism under a broader umbrella. Um, I, I had a coming of age ceremony instead of a bat mitzvah um, that still followed the same uh, spirit of, of what a bat mitzvah is about. Um, and I think that my parents have done that really well in my upbringing is, is putting into practice the, the principles of Judaism in a, in a broader way. Um, so, so yeah, and, and I'm, I'm happy to bring that here. Your background is really similar to that of a lot of people in our community in, yeah. in terms of coming from an, an intermarried family and having a sense of, um, bringing, I think, a sense of accessibility to Judaism that like, it, it really is, it, it's, it's ours, it's yours. It's like, yeah. it's something to be, to be drawn upon and to be relied upon and to mm -hmm. be, you know, played with and, and engaged with. And I think you bring such a beautiful sensibility of inquiry and joy to that process, as opposed to like an idea of this is how it has to be or it's you know right I think that I I bridge the gap between people who are a part of this community who aren't Jewish and people who are Jewish mm -hmm. and and to kind of be able to see it from both perspectives it's kind of interesting yeah. 
Um, and but I also I do think there's a lot of people who are who are Jewish who are raised Jewish who have the same um, who are coming to a place where it where the the pieces that feel the most lively or the most engaging are the pieces that are new that are that are like that involve new ritual or yeah. putting things together in new ways. Yeah. Yeah, because I certainly there are so many things about Judaism that I really love and um you know, being married to someone now who isn't Jewish, um, finding ways to implement the same practices in a way that speaks to both of us is important to us. And, and I think will be kind of a lot of fun. You can be creative with it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think that that spirit of creativity um, has really been been so fun for us at the at the J. And I think you've brought a lot of, of those things. And it was hard, certainly this year, not being able to have people in the building has changed the dynamic for the yeah. short term. But um, I remember when you first started playing music in the in the space and how like it was such a little thing, but it really did make a difference in terms of um, making it feel a lot more homey and welcoming yeah. and um, and connected. And that yeah. was yeah, it's just a good example. So Sarah, as you as you think about the summer and the fall and hopefully reduced COVID numbers and sort of turning a corner in terms of um, how things will be working day to day. What are you most excited about both in your role at the J and also as a performer? Um, first of all, I'm so excited to connect with people here again. Um, you know, I walk in here and, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to deck this place out. We're going to have flowers, music. The energy is going to be pumped up. Um, because I just, it's a community center after all. It's, it's why we're here. So um, I'm just excited to, to, to create a space that feels comfortable and welcoming and safe. Um, Cause it might be tricky to transition back in after mm. being gone for so long. So, and I, and I think that I'm good at that. I think I yeah. can, can make a smooth transition for people. Um, as a musician, I have a few, I have two gigs this summer and they're outside. And, um, you know, it's funny, the farmer's market is moving to Payson Park for six weeks, uh, May to June. And so it's literally in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we're gonna, we plan to bring out all our music equipment and just have live shows, you know, you have a built-in audience with the farmer's market right there. So um, that might be a good introduction to just getting back out there again mm -hmm. and, and feeling it out and, and doing it for the people. That's yeah. awesome. And so I have a couple um, gigs with the quartet this summer. Um, I'm doing a, a little show for Emily Isaacson in June. And yeah, hopefully just slowly, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting any pressure on it. I'm not, you know, once we're given the go ahead, I, I plan to just take my time and slowly yeah. get back into the routine and, and see what happens. I don't, you know, I know for a lot of artists, it's been hard to be creative during this time and, and same for me. So, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see how the creativity sparks back up again and yeah. I feel like you're always so thoughtful about the about process too, and that it it does take time, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it it's yeah, there'll be a natural evolution of the next iteration of this as it changes too, which is yeah, it's helpful to keep that in mind. Um, yeah. 
So I've asked everyone I've talked to this year, um, what has helped you through the last year the most? Like, what do you turn to for comfort? What inspires you? Um, what you're enjoying yeah. right now? You know, we have a fire pit in our backyard and every single day, our poor neighbors, they are smoked out of their own homes <laughs> every evening. Um, that has been one of the best it's so interesting to me because I don't remember spending this much time outside prior to the pandemic. And it's been one of the, the best parts of, of this whole year is that it's pushed me to be outside, which I think nature is one of the most healing, important selves. And so being outside by that fire pit, fire too has, has some real healing properties. So that's been kind of uh, therapeutic. Um, and of course, you know, <laughs> during this pandemic, I got engaged, bought a house and got married. So <laughs> really I've been, I've been taking this year and shown him his boss. You really um, have. Yeah. I've, I've, it feels like I've been celebrating for a really long time, which feels odd during such tragedy and heartbreak. Um, but it, it just goes to show that, you know, we persevere, we adapt, we keep going. And, and it's so important. We carry on, if you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sarah, thank you so much. It's really fun to talk with you. This Thanks, is great. Molly. This is really fun. This is really sweet. And I'm, I'm so happy to do it. Thanks for asking me. You carry on, you carry on, you carry on, you JTalks is a project of the Jewish Community Alliance of Southern Maine and is produced by Sarah Hallie Richardson. If you are interested in being featured, learning more about the program, or providing support, please feel free to contact us or visit our website at www.mainejewish.org.